Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network, and we have the best, fantastic broadcast anywhere ever. And today, we're going to have a talk with Alan Topol and the French Revenge, a political thriller of the highest magnitude and the suspense rises as this fast-paced novel will keep you holding your breath until the very last page, or hopefully the first note on the piano is played. And since I was a concert pianist, this was so cool. So, good morning. How are you? And this book is really great. By the way, in order to get a specific medical appointment last week, I had to bring the doctor a copy of your book. I'm serious. Oh, okay. That's that's really good. That's good. That's good, Fran. I'm, I love doing this book, The French Revenge, and I really love going to be talking to your uh, dear listeners about it. Thank you very, very much for having me. You're welcome. This is fun. <laughs> So why did you choose uh, – I've always wanted to go somewhere. So I get to go somewhere every time you write a book. I get to visit different countries. Otherwise, I won't get there. So why did you decide France would be the perfect setting for this book and the first dramatic scene? And, of course, we're going to talk about a very famous piano player in just a moment. Well, first of all, I have to tell you and your listeners how I feel about international locales. I love mm-hmm. to travel to different places. I love to do research for my books. And when I write about these international locales, I find that readers really like them because readers fit into two categories. Um, the ones who have been to the places I'm writing about, and for them, then they enjoy really, um, you know, revisiting their trip almost, so to speak, when they read my book. And for the ones who haven't been there, it's almost one reader told me in an email, it was a way of taking a trip vicariously. So I, I kind of love doing it. But obviously the, the locales are backgrounds. It's meant to be a page turner, a suspense thriller. It's not a, it's not a travelogue. Now, let's talk about the location where the book opens in the first dramatic scene is on the mm-hmm. island of Corsica. Corsica is an island that's owned by the French, um, and it's, it's out in the Mediterranean next to Sardinia, which is owned by Italy. And those two islands are fascinating in their history. They've gone back and forth as to who controlled the island at different periods of time, Spain, England, France, Italy, and so their history is fascinating. The the geography and topography are fascinating as well. And I just loved Corsica when I was there a number of years mm. ago, not to write a novel about it, but I said, gosh, I've got to put my opening scene sometime in a book. And then when I started to put the book together, 
Corsica seemed like the perfect place. Um, here, my hero, Anthony, protagonist and Chiera, are running on the beach. She's a world-class pianist running on the beach in Corsica, and, and somebody shoots her. But I thought it was the perfect scene, the perfect locale to set that book, and also to get enmeshed a little bit into the politics of Corsica, because mm -hmm. there's a, a group of people that really hate the French government that rules the island. So I thought, hey, it's a neat place to put the opening for the book. It was, and I like Anthony. You have to bring him back. But I really like her because actually she played Rachmaninoff, but she also played my favorite uh, person, Van Clyburn. I had to actually yeah, listen yeah. to all of his songs and try to play them. And the first time I ever played in Carnegie Hall, which is the truth, I had to play The Waltz of the Flowers by Tchaikovsky memorized, and I was only seven. Forget it. Well, that was you know, yeah, that's so this is, this so is great. You related to the piano part of the book, which is great, because um, how I got into the piano, I am mm -hmm. not a pianist myself. I, I can't play a note, but my wife mm -hmm. is a very serious pianist. She plays two hours a day, always has mm -hmm. for um, all the number of years we've been married. And so I've sort of um, lived my life with somebody who plays the piano a lot in the summers. Mm -hmm. um, not this summer because it was canceled. We used to go to, to the Aspen Music Festival, which is mm -hmm. fantastic for a couple weeks in Aspen, uh, lots of classical music and classical pianos. And so it, I kind of listened to this piano my whole married life, and I thought, hey, I've got to work this in, into a novel. Um, and I, you know, my other thing on locale was I put a lot of it in France, as you know, French Revenge, mm -hmm. obviously, but a certain amount in Milan, in Italy. That's a city mm -hmm. that I have come to really enjoy and really love. It's an underrated city, and oh, my heart just goes out to those people for what they've suffered with the coronavirus. And of course, they're suffering in, in France as well. But, uh, but I wanted those locales, France and Italy, mm -hmm. and they're at the heart of the book, The French Revenge. So it's, it's, uh, you're right. I'm right with you, Fran, on the international locales. See that? So she's, they're running on the beach, and he knows somebody's right. following them, but he doesn't tell her. So you created that really great scene, and then somebody has the nerve to shoot my piano player, which I really think was horrible. But it makes sense because they're just jealous because she's great. Um, who does he contact, and why does he suspect that the Turkish or Russian president was behind this attack? And she, I mean, Chiara doesn't know yet that that he knew, and she was right to get upset. Poor thing. Well, that's right. She's she gets upset because he felt that as they they drove. From Ajaccio, which was yeah. is the capital of uh, Corsica, to to Calvi, which is the beach where this happened, is he suspected they were being followed, but he didn't tell her. And the reason he didn't tell her is because 
they both work incredibly hard. He's a former U.S. congressman now trying to build an international consulting firm based in Milan. He travels a lot. She's a world-class concert pianist, one of the best in the world. She travels an incredible amount. They always struggle to find time together. At last, they were going to have a vacation, and he felt he didn't want to ruined the vacation by telling her he thought they were being followed. And he also felt, you know, maybe I'm being paranoid, but you know, this is Mm -hmm. sort of human nature. If you think about it, when you know, you have a feeling I could be in danger, but well, maybe not. Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm being unduly sensitive. I'm being paranoid. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to just calm down and sort of relax. And so, that's kind of where he was, and you do wishful thinking sometimes when you see yeah. danger and you don't want to believe it. So those were all he had, you know, they weren't bad motives, but those were his motives for not telling her. But, of course, then she's not she's not ready for it, of course, um, you know, when it happens. And, and then he has to wrestle with the question of his his assumption is – that she was shot because of him somehow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and his first thing is to think, wait a minute, nobody would shoot her who would want to shoot a concert pianist. I mean, what what could she have done? Why would anybody want to shoot her? And I'm not going to give away the story of motives. Uh-uh. I'm going to try not to because it's a novel. But, but he says, well, who would want to shoot her a concert pianist? So they must have been aiming for me. This is his first reaction, and they and they missed. And and then who would have wanted to shoot me? He begins to think. Anthony begins to think. But then he hits a problem with that because the first shot hit her, and then she went down, and he went uh, tried to protect her, and on top of her, and he's waiting for the second shot to come. Mm-hmm. She figures it's going to come for him, but the second shot never comes. The shooter runs away. So since the shooter runs away, he begins to think, well, wait a minute, then this doesn't make sense. If they were if they were aiming for me, they would have stayed and taken the second shot if they missed the first shot. So maybe they were aiming at her, but why would they aim at her? And he's he's totally confused at this point as to why, you know, she was shot. So that's that's kind of the opening scene to the book. And of course he makes up his mind. He's determined to investigate who did this and and, and why. And that's and so this is what launches the the novel launches the thriller, hopefully a page turner from that point forward to friend. It was, and if everybody listens carefully, very carefully, without giving it away, the key word is the title. That's all I'm going to tell you. One of the words of the title is the key to this whole thing. That's all I'm going to tell you. And if you can't figure it out, that's your problem. So they take her to the hospital, but they're worried about her. So he calls his friend Renato, who I love. I love this guy. And how did what part does he play? Well, Renato is um, the head of Italian intelligence, and um, he has been a 
good friend of, um, he has been a very good friend of Anthony's. Um, they go back a ways. And, um, and it's because of their friendship that he reaches out to, to um, Renato and calls him, uh, actually he calls him initially because he's his best friend in Milan. He wants to let him know what happened. He's very upset and tell Renato. Mm-hmm. And Renato says, that's it. I'm coming. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got my private airplane on hold. I'm going to be there in a, uh, within two hours. And so Renato comes and Renato wants to help him. And so the two of them then end up working together um, in the, in the novel. They have some, some rough patches at the end, but, but they're really, really good friends. They work together in the novel. And I think, Anthony kind of needs that help because um, he's mm-hmm. a bit of a loner. He's not an easy person to get along with, but yet he and Renato have this terrific relationship, and they also they also share a common interest in in good food, Italian food, and in good wine, particularly the wines of Barola and Barbaresco from the Piedmont. I love writing about restaurants and wines in my novels, as you know. And so he and Renato share this interest in food and wine. And, uh, and so they, they end up working together in the novel. But, but they do have a terrific relationship. Renato's wife died eight years ago. He's a widower. He's, um, he's got time uh, alone. And so they, they really kind of work together because Chiara is gone so much and Anthony's kind of on his own a lot in Milan as well. So they've formed mm. this terrific close personal relationship. Now the character that I don't like because she's no not nice. Her name is Louise. Which character? And she has Louise. Louise. Okay. Yes, I don't like Louise because I don't trust her. And she's after Anthony, and that's a no-no. And she thinks that she's going to get him back. Well, guess what? I'm not going to tell you. So why does she think that she's going to get Anthony back? And she's going to, you know, she's she's really not anybody very nice. Seriously. Well, you're right. She's not anybody very nice. Louise is a French intelligence officer, and I had a lot of fun creating um, Louise because, and you and I have talked about this a number of times on some of your other programs, is it's, it's, it's fun creating heroes, and um, it always is. But, you know, heroes fit into a certain amount of, have a lot of commonality, and, and you know, you can only depart so much. But, but what I find even more fun than creating heroes is creating villains because you have great mm-hmm. flexibility in creating villains. And I've always sort of felt that, that as a writer, I mean, give, give me a choice between creating a hero and creating a villain. Uh, I'll take the villain any time because I have more mm-hmm. fun doing it, creating them. So let, let's talk about Louise, who's, who's sort of a villain in this book is Louise um, French intelligence officer and when Anthony was in the US Congress um, he met her at, a, at an international conference and they formed a 
they uh, they were sexually attracted, formed a romantic relationship, and but ultimately Louise broke it off um, with Anthony for reasons that had to do with her with her own marriage and 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 her financial uh, relationship with her husband. So she broke it off with Anthony and. And Anthony then moved on, and he met Chiara, and he's in love with Chiara, and they have a wonderful relationship. Louise's marriage wasn't what she thought. She had thought she was in, that her husband was in love with her, that, that they had a solid relationship, and all that, and she finds out, no, her husband is um, he's having an affair, and what's more, she thinks he's going to leave her, and she's worried mm-hmm. about her financial situation. And she realizes later on that, hey, she should never have broken up with Anthony, as she put it at yep. one point, biggest mistake I ever made in my life. And she is determined to get Anthony back. She wants to have Anthony back. And so here she's drawn into this story because. Corsica, as I've said, is French territory. She's the head of French, one of the top French intelligence agencies. And so she is naturally brought into this story to find out who shot Shiera and, and whether Shiera is going to live or die or whatever. But, but Louise is brought into it. And Louise, talk about a, a conflict of interest. I mean, you know, Louise comes in, she's sort of, sort of hoping to start with that Cheryl die so she can get Anthony back. But then beyond that, um, she, she's into the investigation of who shot, who shot Chiara and why. And Louise, who's, as I said, is a villain, but she's also clever. She concocts this story or comes up with this story. Well, maybe it's true. You, the reader doesn't know. At this point, Anthony doesn't know that, hey, maybe Chiara is, was really spying on mm-hmm. Anthony, and, and that's why she was shot. And so Louise is sort of hell-bent to create a reality out of this fictional story of, of Chiara being a spy. I mean, she's very clever, and that's sort of what, what she tries to put together. So anyhow, that's, that's really where we go with Louise. But she's clever, and she's also vicious. And she's the sort of person, and I'm sure we all know some like it, who won't stop at anything to get what they want. So that's that's kind of Louise. Um, Good-looking, tough, wears Chanel suits, dresses well, um, got a lot of money from her divorce settlement, but she wants Anthony back at all costs. And so that's that's really becomes a critical part of the novel is is her desire to get him back. Um, well, you see, anyway, the only thing about her that I do like is that if she wants answers and wants something, she's like me. I'm not going to stop till I get it. So in that case, that's right. She's not. She's not. So yeah, we have another Fran, character here. I'll be doing it a nice way, though. I'm not going to be Fran, mean. But wait a <laughs> second, Fran. I know you, you. You'll set limits on on what you'll do to get yes. what you want. I mean, you're still right. you're, but but not Louise. Louise is different than you. 
Louise no, isn't going to set any any limits at all on what she wants, which is, which I'm afraid no. she distinct. I'm not afraid. I'm happy. She's distinguished she's, from you in that respect, Fran. Yeah, she's evil. I know. We've got to love her though. So tell us, they right, have General Tyler, and his role as a national security advisor to the president. I don't like this guy either. So why does he think his position will get him his goals? And who is Juliet? I don't want to say too much about that. So, yeah, no, no, no. But with Tyler, I had a lot of fun uh, creating Tyler because General Tyler is the president's national security advisor. And that's a very powerful position in Washington. And um, as you know, I have spent a lot of time in Washington. I've been a lawyer there with a big law firm. I've gotten to know Washington. I write about Washington a lot. I love writing about Washington. Um, And what goes on at the top levels of government is the president's national security advisor is not somebody who's, who's confirmed by Congress. He's somebody who serves at the president's will. He does what the president wants, but he's the top advisor for the president on international security affairs Um, even more so typically than the Secretary of State or Secretary of Defense. So this is a tremendously powerful position. And so one of the things I want to do with the readers is sort of inform them about National Security Advisor, what he does, um, and about what's kind of going on at the uh, upper reaches of the U.S. government. And so that's how I had fun creating this um, this Tyler character, but, but, you know, individuals have, when they get in positions of power in Washington, well, or I guess in in any government, they also have the right to utilize the the government and try to convince it for their own personal end. I mean, you know, you can talk about sort of, um, um, just to pick up uh, an analogy, maybe not a good one, but, but people misused their positions of power, mm-hmm. for example, to, to sell mm-hmm. stock when when they find out that, not, not too hypothetical, when they find out that the economy was going to go bad. But, but people in top levels of government can always utilize their position of power for personal gain, not necessarily just financial, but other personal gain. And that's what Tyler does. That's what he wants to do here. He has personal reasons that he gets drawn into this conflict involving Anthony and the shooting of Chiera. And his his objectives that he wants to achieve become very much a part of the novel and really at the heart of the book, too. So I had, again, he's another villain character, so I had fun doing it, but uh, Tyler almost becomes deranged at the end. I mean, a little mentally unstable because he is, he's so, he's so intent on trying to get what he wants and he'll get it at all costs. So that's, um, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of Tyler. You should ask Louisa for a date. That would probably work better. Yeah, oh, that's an interesting thing. I hadn't thought of that. Maybe <laughs> we can put those <laughs> two together. That's true. Those two could have worked together. Get our two villains together. That's a 
that's an interesting way to go, Fran. But uh, but you know, but that's kind of General Tyler, and 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 it's a way of exposing and Tyler, you know, utilizing Tyler as a way of exposing the reader to some of the kind of things about Washington that they might not know about, that they might not read about, um, but that they would find intriguing. Um, I find it intriguing the stuff that um, that goes on. <laughs> in this town and the normal operations of government. I know obviously we're not now in normal operations of government, but mm-hmm. but even now national security advisor is a, is a very, very prominent position. Well, this is the question. Hmm. Tiara became a concert pianist at three. And then I read about her father making her practice a million hours a day. Did her father know my mother? Seriously. Because <laughs> at seven, I learned to play the piano on a paper keyboard because they wouldn't buy me one. And about six months later, my piano teacher said, she's that good, buy her piano. My grandfather bought me one. And I had to practice like 20 hours a day, every minute of the day. If I wasn't doing homework, it was the piano. But you know what? I didn't care. So... That that after her father made her practice, and she was determined, right, to become a concert pianist, and that's probably why I love her so much. But then we have Giles; he's a bad guy, and Anthony contacts him to find the shooter. I thought that was great when you contact the good guy with a bad guy to enlist. How come you did that? I like Giles, by the way. He was one of my happy, okay. one of my bad Wait, villains that before. I like. I like this guy. Yeah, I like Jill's too. Jill, I Jill, I like Jill also. Okay, before we go to Jill, let's come back to the concert pianist. So, in yeah. the story I have, which is one that I actually heard about a great pianist. Her father, she grew up in a um, in a town in Italy, in northern Italy, Chiara, and her father was a piano teacher and gave piano lessons. So when she was three years old, one day is he had a student um, and um, the student was playing, I think it was Beethoven's Pathetique. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh So anyhow, um, so the student is playing this. So um, the student leaves, the lesson's over, the student leaves, the piano is sitting there, no music, and Chiera, who's three years old, um, goes over the piano, uh, puts a pillow on the bench, sits down, and starts to play Beethoven's Pathetique from what she heard from the student. And the father, her father's blown away because he realizes, oh, my God, my daughter has this incredible talent. How could she do that? And so lest somebody say, oh, this couldn't happen, you're making this up, Topol, this is fiction. But I know of a case, actually I think it may have been Lauren Maisel, where this actually happened. I mean, where you get these uh, prodigies and they, they heard, she heard the music and that was enough for her to sit down. And so the father knew, my God, my daughter has this incredible talent, just incredible talent. And at that point, he took over, and and it became, yes, a blessing, yes, but also a curse because, as you said, he made her practice a million million hours a day to um, to exploit 
this, um, I mean, to have her have a, I shouldn't use exploit, but have her develop this uh, talent of hers. And so he really drove her and launched her on this. But, you know, you find this a lot. Um, in in mm-hmm. piano, for example, the great Chinese pianist Lang Long, um, he had the same situation. Father was a, a, a piano teacher, and then the father drove him relentlessly and moved him to another city in China where he could get better instruction and just the parent dominant. But I've seen this in some other activities. When I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, my my brother played in a Little League baseball team, and there was a, a guy on a Little League baseball team who was a, a pitcher on my brother's team by the name of Sam McDowell. This was in Pittsburgh, and and McDowell was a terrific pitcher, but his father was determined that McDowell would one day be a major league pitcher. So um, the father took McDowell and made him throw to him just hour after hour every day to improve his pitching. And McDowell did make it into the major leagues, became a star pitcher, with, I think, the Cleveland Indians, but unfortunately, after a relatively short career, uh, McDowell became an alcoholic and his career burned out. Now, now was it because he was driven too hard? I mean, but this business of a parent driving a child who has mm-hmm. incredible talent is a is a, something that intrigued me. Um, so that that's the piano. That's Chiara. Now, you talked about our friend Gio from from Corsica. He's 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 a bad good guy. Is that that's sort of how you put it, Fran? Right? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like uh, him. Good. Yeah, you like you like him. I like him too. But but see, what Gio is, and he becomes very helpful to Anthony. What I liked about Gio bringing him out is he is regarded by people in Corsica as a warlord because mm-hmm. um, they say that he's been fighting against the French government, which controls Corsica. And this was one of the things that I learned about on my trip to Corsica that I wanted to bring out in the book is that the people on Corsica, a lot of them, particularly those who live in the interior, not in the coastal cities, they really regard Corsica as their own independent nation or state almost. And they just, they dislike the French. They dislike the French running the island. They want to have independence. And for a while, there were attacks on French authorities and the French government of people and even the French military by people on the island of Corsica. So, this is a topic that I, I want to bring out in the course of the book. And so uh, Jill becomes the vehicle for this, and he also becomes extremely helpful to um, Anthony when Anthony uh, moves along in his investigation to find out who mm-hmm. shot um, who shot Chiara. Now, this is interesting because I've read a lot of books, too many books lately, on um, drones. A lot of them have that. So we have Major Dorsey and the drone surveillance, and Anthony doesn't see it. How come he didn't realize he was being followed? And we don't want to say well, whose idea that was. 
No, we don't. But but at, at high at high, these were new, sophisticated, high altitude drones, and so mm-hmm. so they would not have been visible. But but that's what the government, U.S. government, and I guess China and other top governments are working on is the next mm-hmm. generation of sophisticated drones, you know, mm. high technology. And so they would not be visible from the ground. And so it's a great way to do surveillance, and it permits very kind of accurate, um, accurate surveillance as well. And so, <clears throat> as you said, somebody unleashes um, the drone to follow and watch um, Anthony when he when he goes through what he's doing in uh, in in Italy and so that's I loved using that that technology and but that technology is getting so sophisticated and it keeps mm-hmm. developing so that's that's and it was a chance to I, I don't like to do I'm not you know I don't go the route of lots of high tech stuff in my book, but I like to have um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of technology and I've got enough help that I can get some help. And then, and then, you know, on, on, on these um, uh, technical subjects is you've got to get some, as an author, you have to get yeah. some advice from people who are in the know. For example, um, the book involves some medical issues because um, Chiara is, is shot and, and the question is, where, where, where in her body is she shot to make it sense with the rest of the plot? How does the surgery go? What's her recovery? Things like that. I'm very fortunate that one of my daughters is a, is a physician, a very good physician at the Washington Hospital Center. And so Deborah, I give Deborah the drafts of, of this book and my other books that involve medical issues. And um, and she'll go through and she'll and she'll help me and tell me you know how to do it and what I want to uh, what I want to achieve. So we're that's so I'm I because mean, I want it to be accurate. I want the medical stuff to be accurate, and you can't sort of um, fool around with that. As to uh, and so we we kicked it around together, Deborah and I, as to we're in her body. She should be shot. What's the surgery like? What's the recovery like? When can she get back playing piano? Those things are all integral to the plot. But so I'm delighted that I had my own in-house expert to help me on that. I wish I had some in-house expert. That's why I write from the point of view of the dead person, because they can't answer me and they're already dead. And whatever they did, I just make up. That's all. And, Yeah. So tell us about the guy that killed, shot her. Nikita, Nikita Ivanov agreed to take out Chiara. And that's not nice, very nice of him. And why did he agree? Well, this is about money, right? He wanted money for this. Yeah. So he didn't yeah, care. Yeah, for he him. He doesn't care. Yeah. No, he doesn't it's care. It's just for him, money. It's about money. For him, it's about money. All right, well, let's talk about Nikita because this let me bring out something else that I've done um, some research on. I'm interested in. I've I've read about a lot about, and that's what's going on in Putin's Russia. And so mm-hmm. Nikita is. I have a Russian president Volkov, who's very much like like. Like Russian President Putin, and Nikita had been one of of um, Volkov's thugs back in Moscow, 
And then he had a falling out with Volkov, and Volkov treated him as an enemy, and Ivanov had all he could do to escape uh, from Russia and escape from the clutches of, um, of the Russian president, Volkov. So he has gone to live in Bayeritz in southern France, and Bayeritz has very close to the Spanish border, and uh, Bayeritz has a significant Russian population of, uh, of emigres from Russia, and he lives in this community. But um, Nikita finds out that he's dying. He has pancreatic cancer. He doesn't have long to live, um, several months, and he has an opportunity from somebody which comes to him from another thug who had worked in Russia and had a falling out with Volkov um, Malevich. And so he, um, Mm -hmm. uh, because of this other Russian who's now, um, he had a falling out with with, uh, the Russian president, and he is now given the opportunity to shoot Chiara. And... um, and so that's, he's paid a lot of money, and that's how he gets into it. But um, he's not a good guy. But on the other hand, he is a superb marksman. And, mm-hmm. and yet, and yet, um, Chiara did not die from this shot. So I'm not going to explain. I'm going to let the reader, I don't want to give away too much of the plot. I'm going to let your, your listeners um, read the book and focus on the question of why when we're dealing with an expert marksman is did Chiara not die from this shot and why did he only take one shot at Chiara why didn't he stay and take a second shot at Anthony those are the kinds of questions which I don't want to answer I don't think it's fair I want your listeners to hopefully read the French Revenge, and they can get the answer from the French Revenge of, of, to these questions, which I think are obviously at the heart of the story and at the heart of the plot. Well, Louise is so, lucky anyhow, he wasn't shooting at her, right? Louise is lucky well, that he wasn't true. shooting her, because otherwise she would be gone, poor thing. So we have Malovich, I know. He's very dangerous. And how does someone, they learn about him, and they take him out before Anthony and his team can get there. So that wasn't, well, you know, yeah, they no, sort of got him on that, yeah. Well, they got him because he's sort of in a, caught in a power play because he had his own falling out with the Russian President Volkov. So if you yeah. think, think Putin for a minute, if you're, you know, you can be a, a big important operator you can have a lot of money you can have bodyguards you can have everything back in Russia but if you have a falling out with a guy like Putin then you're in trouble I mean he's going to go and find you anywhere in the world it's like that old expression which is sort of a little bit trite but what the heck it fits here you can run but you can't hide and so that's what happens to our guy here. He can run, but he can't hide. And so, and so he ends up having to uh, 
he gets confronted with the, the Russian president uh, hunts him down, and so that's that's kind of what what happens to him. But but you know, when these kind of assassinations take place, for example, um, former enemies of Putin were poisoned in London. Um, I mean, these things do happen because Putin has a long reach, and uh, so does my Russian president Volkov, and. He's not going to stop at anything. He's going to get even <clears throat> with his enemies one way or another. So that's that's kind of what we're dealing with there. Anyway. Well, tell us about Natasha, his wife. And she's very sneaky, too. She's very dangerous also. Yeah, and she's tough. She's Nikita's wife. She's tough. I mean, she's been through a lot. I mean, she's... Uh, um, you know, she had her own run-ins with Russian President Volkov, and they have two kids. And with all of it, she loves her husband, Nikita. She didn't want him to do this job that she was afraid was going to end up resulting in his death. And so she kind of um, wants to, to, to keep him alive and do what she can, but she's also feisty. And she's going to do what she can to protect her her children, and so I think that becomes a big part for her is how can she protect her children financially? Um, and I think that's that's what that's what she wants to do. But she's, as you said, she's not a great person. But but on the other hand, she's she's a good mother, and she wants to protect her children. And she she didn't like the idea of her husband taking on a job that was going to get him killed. So that's kind of where where um, where she is in this in this thing, Natasha. But she's tough. I mean, and she's willing to sort of stand up and lock horns with people, even people who are armed or people who have a lot of uh, who have a lot of power. She'll she'll stand up to them and, and stick with them. That's Natasha. I like her. I did not like her. So we have another character that I didn't bring up, and that was Eve Caron. And he has a, he's got a very important position too, and he's guilty of something also. So why what is it Corona's guilty of, and what does he reveal to Anthony? And there's another character, Bridget, of the French Justice Ministry. There's a lot of people in this book, people. Well, you're right. I mean, Yves Corona is a very important character in the French Revenge. He's the French Minister of the Interior, which is one of the top positions mm-hmm. in the French government. And so he is, um, which he's sort of in charge of uh, over the, their equivalent of the FBI and, um, and other uh, local ministries, I mean domestic ministries. So he's, he's, he's a pretty powerful guy. But um, Eves has a couple of problems, is... First of all, which he gets drawn into this story, is he's he's uh, uh, desperate for money because he's a person who um, is well off but lives beyond his means. And mm. though he's upper class, he has a huge house outside of Paris. He has a house in Saint-Tropez. He has a yacht. And he also um, keeps mistresses. So uh, for Eves, he really um, he has financial incentives that 
that cause him to get drawn into his plot. And he has a wife who's, his wife's a very good character. And she sort of had it with this guy, Eves, because he's an evil person too. But for Eves, it's not, he doesn't have political issues that motivate motivate him. It's really financial issues. And so Mm -hmm. he's another villain. Actually, we have a fair number of villains in the French Revenge, as I think about it, (laughs) running around with you, talking about it with you, Fran, don't we? We have a fair number of villains in this book, probably more of my villains than I've put into other books. But but Eves definitely fits into that category. I can't find any good things to say about Eves. I really didn't like Eves. I had a lot of fun putting Eves together, except for saying that he has a very good, very nice wife, which he does. That's that doesn't. Yeah, help I know. I just did one last week on villains, on with four people. It's supposed to be five, actually. Um, we talked about villains, and we talked about how they created them. We talked about how the villain oh. decides who's dead. We talked about how the villain decides what he's going to use to make the person dead and what the villain's going to do to try to get away with the murder. By the time I got done, um, Dick Belsky and Charles Salisbury were worried that I was learning too much. And they said it on Facebook <laughs> on the show. They were worried about how she learned how to, how, to, how, to do, how to kill people too much, but I don't do that. My people are already dead when I, when I write them, so it doesn't matter. So we That's have a right. few more you characters. Have, you, you, have your, you have your people already buried in the cemetery. I remember that, Fran. Yeah, well, the next one's coming out, everybody, hopefully next month, and it's called What If. What if you lived in a world that Fran created that's so far out there that it's so different from anything that we even know, like the Twilight Zone? Would you be happy in the one that we're stuck with right now? And that's all I'll say that. The title is What If. And I created eight worlds of, I can't believe I wrote it. So what can I say? The characters are really strained, and the plot is completely like the Twilight Zone. So I gave it to like 11 people to read. I guess they're still stunned because they haven't said anything. So I'm hoping that eventually they'll unstun and say something. So before I forget, Monday, Jeff Bond will be here with the Pine Box Vendetta. On Tuesday, Molly Barnett was a real reporter, and the author wrote about her life. It's really interesting. On the 11th, former FBI agent Michael Tabman and I are going to talk about what's happening in America. The show is called um, Unrest in America. The 15th, um, I have uh, Emilio's Garden, the author's from Costa Rica. And the 17th, I'm supposed to have R.G. Belsky, but I still don't have the book. So we're going to see what happens with that. On the 22nd, I have um, Enemies of the Dodge. On the 24th, I have another panel show. We're going to talk about voice and how you express your voice, a narrative voice and point of view, whatever else I come up with. And on, it was supposed to be the 29th. It's going to be on the 30th. Uh, Pastor Michael Jones, we're going to talk about how to deal with stress and uplifting through God and his word and anything else that Michael wants to talk about that makes me relax and have, and, and, and happy. So it's it's interesting, and he's very, very interesting. Okay, so then we have CIA Director Mary Ann. She plays a vital role, and we have George Smith, because Anthony has a lot of people that help him, right? He does, and absolutely. And he finds out that absolutely. there are four people that, you know, three people that are against him, and then he finds out there might be another one, but we're not going to say who they are. So who is Mary Ann, and who is George Smith, and how come he's able to get all these people to help him? 
and not want to shoot him well, too. Well, he has. Okay, he was a good question because Anthony, um, before the novel, he was a um, U.S. congressman, and he was a the head of the intelligence committee, and he had a very powerful position in the U.S. Congress, and as a result of that position, he made develop relationships and made contacts with people in the top levels of the government and Marianne, for example. And so now when he's in this, shall we say, crisis mode with uh, trying to investigate the the shooting of Chiara, um, which opens the French Revenge, he now is able to draw on the people that he had these relationships with, and they're able to help him uh, to get to the bottom of what happened. And uh, Marianne's a good character because she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She has. Um, she's in a top position, obviously head of the CIA, but she she requires. She develops a close relationship, not just with Anthony, but she knows how to handle and deal with the U.S. president. And so this was an issue that I wanted to explore in the book, and I did. It's the relationship between the head of the CIA and the um, and the U.S. president, because that's a tricky relationship, and it depends mm-hmm. a lot on the individuals involved. And, and I had a lot of fun creating Marianne because she's smart, she's a good character, she's no-nonsense, she likes Anthony, she wants to help him, but she'll do it in a way that's proper. She's not going to go out on a limb, she's not going to cut corners, uh, But so she's a good character. I like Marianne, she's, she's terrific, really. She's one of the few people I liked, except for Anthony, and I like Chiara the best, though. Sorry. I mean, got to yeah, no, like Chiara. Yeah, to I like Anthony. Yeah, no, I, I liked Anthony because Anthony's a guy, and let, let's talk about Anthony's background a little bit because yeah. I think that's 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 kind of I think that's kind of important and critical to the novel, and we haven't really talked about that. Is um, Anthony was born in. Um, his father was um, Italian, was um, an Italian uh, skier, an Olympic skier, who then went to, when he finished competitive skiing, was teaching skiing in Aspen, Colorado. Um, and that's where he met Anthony's mother, who was a student of the father's in a ski class. Um, they fell in love and they got married. The mother is from a, um, a high-class, uh, high-end economic family living on the east side of New York. Grew up with private schools and and lots of um, lots of advantages of growing up on the east side of New York. And and her family is appalled that she marries this ski instructor, and mm-hmm. she goes off to live in <clears throat> to live in Aspen. Well. Then the, they they go and they when Anthony's um, just a couple years old, they take a trip to Italy. It's winter and ski season, and the father goes off skiing with some of his former buddies from the Italian Olympic team. And there's an avalanche, and the father's killed in the avalanche. So at this mm. point, Anthony's mother's a widow. She has a young kid. <clears throat> she moves back to New York City to the east side of New York, and that's where she raises Anthony with the same nanny that raised her. 
Anthony goes off to private school where he doesn't fit in, uh, but he's very athletic, and that sort of saves him, and he gets into into fights with kids, but he ultimately it's athletics that save him. Um, he graduates, goes to goes to law school, Yale Law School, and he becomes a lawyer, makes money uh, representing people who've been swindled um, in in mm-hmm. mortgage loans. Um, becomes a good guy in his law practice, but makes money, then runs for Congress, and he ends up serving several terms in Congress, but he finally quits, appalled by the dysfunction in Washington, and he decides he can't take it anymore. He's leaving, and that's when he's met Chiera, and he goes off to live in Italy. But but Anthony's... <coughs> A no-nonsense guy. He's principled. Mm-hmm. He's he's a likable person. Now he gets a little bit. He can become a little bit erratic. I mean, sometimes he. Yeah. he I don't want to say fly off the handle, but uh, he does a little bit. I mean, it's a it's a human character, and he doesn't always do the most rational things. But he's a good character and and has a good sense of himself and in what he wants and. Um, and ability to get things done. So I had fun creating Anthony. He was a, it's a first time uh, to put these two characters in the book, The French Revenge, um, and I enjoyed creating both of them. Um, okay, now you know, Fran, you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. <clears throat> do you repeat characters or do you move on to other characters? Yeah, I want you to, and, this guy, you got to bring him back. I like this guy. That was my next question. Are you going to bring them back? But you have to bring her back because. I want her to win another competition while I listen. Hey, but Fran, I'm trying to re- respond to your last to your last request because you like Kelly Cameron from the Washington Operator yes, I do. and the but Washington I I like Lawyer, and you wanted me to bring Kelly Cameron back. So I'm yes, working like hard Sierra on better, a new though. Kelly Cam. I'm working <laughs> hard on a Kelly Cameron book. Yeah, I'd love. Good. I'll bring them back, but not at, not in the next book. I got to figure out what to do with my pianist. So, but I I liked her a lot. I liked Chira. Chira is a is a good character, and she's uh, you know she's more than a pianist. She's a person with some character, <clears throat> and she's got some spunk, and, and she's uh, she's a good character in the uh, in the French Revenge, and she's got she's got guts because I don't want to give away anything at the end of the book, but but she. For that last scene, she has a yeah. lot of courage to go up and do what she uh, what she has to do to make that last scene work. So, as I say, without giving it away, uh, I think that she was does one of my a questions, lot of courage yeah. as a character. But you see, we can't forget right. Craig Page and Elizabeth. So I think Anthony and Craig could go together because maybe Elizabeth and she would get along, but we don't know. That's, that's my other brilliant thought for today. So... Before before I forget, where can everybody learn more about you and your work? And when am I getting the next book? So I can put it in okay, my 10,000 schedules. My, okay, for me and my work, this is the 16th novel. I have a website, www.allantopol.com. You can read about The French Revenge there or my other 15 books. This book, The French Revenge, is up on Amazon, both paper and electronic on Kindle. And I would really, the one request I have, I really hope that obviously that your listeners 
um, read the book, but I hope that they will send me a uh, an email. <clears throat> There's an email address on my website, and let me know what you think or any questions you have. I love giving getting reader feedback, but but they can go out and get the book either paper or electronic on Amazon. It's the French Revenge, and I'm Alan Topol. Well, all I could tell you is that I had an appointment with one of my medical doctors last week, and I was very concerned that I didn't get your book because the post office is wacko. So I went and I ordered right. an extra copy. So I have this, the one that you sent, I got the same day as the one I got that one. So Dr. Mermel seems very happy. Oh, and okay. And he said, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. That's okay because I just sent Uncle Len five books, and I said to him, guess what? Alan Topol came out with another one, so after he reads these, I'm going to send him that. You're this one, because oh, I'm a favorite nice niece. And he, Thank you. Well, he's 99 years old, and he's the only one in my family besides me that reads. So when he texted me Jeez. yesterday, and he said, I don't have anything to read, I, I sent him a whole bunch of books. He got two yesterday, one today, and I figured by another week or so, I'm going to send him yours because he's going to want it. But anyway, <laughs> I tried. Um this is really great, and I enjoyed this book a lot. And, of course, I read it in one day because I wanted to make sure that I had everything done. And I thank you so much. This is fun. I'm going to be doing another panel show, hopefully in September. I, I, I don't even have a day in August left anymore to do anything. Uh, and I don't do shows in July for other reasons. So I will let you know in September what I come up with. It's going to be something very different, I think. I haven't decided, but it's going to be no villains and no whatever. They try to do something that I've never done before, and I will let you know what it is. But thank you so much. This is fun. And enjoyed it brother. enormously, Fran. I can't thank you enough. It's so much fun talking with you. Really, it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you in? I don't think you're in on this one. This my my craziness for June twenty second. I don't even know anymore. June twenty mm-hmm. fourth. Oh no! No, I'm not um, in that No, oh, this I have to find out from John Lansing because he's supposed to be in on this. It's R.G. Belsky, Jim Nesbeth, Gavin, Gavin Goodwin, Derek McFadden, and John Lansing. I have to find out from John if he's going to do it. If he's not, I'm going to tell you because it's it, it was okay. a lot of fun with four people the other day. I had a, it was a riot with four people. Actually, Bruce Coffin was supposed to do, but he had a medical appointment. But thank you so much, gotcha. everybody. Alan, everybody have a great day. Stay safe, everyone, and bye. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye, friends.